Welcome to the Inclusive School Spotlight podcast series brought to you by the Educating All Learners Alliance and the Center for Learner Equity. The Inclusive School Spotlight series highlights schools that are using innovative and promising practices to improve learning opportunities and outcomes for students with disabilities. I'm your host, Cache Owens, and today we highlight the Dr. William W. Henderson K-12 Inclusion School. Henderson is a traditional public school located in Boston, Massachusetts, and is fully inclusive. About 900 students are enrolled from grades pre-K through 12, over 50% of whom are students with disabilities. I'm joined by interim principal Sam Podbelski to talk about the school's culture of inclusion and use of school-wide co-teaching. Sam, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. We are so excited to learn more about Henderson. I uh, know that the school has a deep history of inclusion. So just paint the picture for us. Imagine I'm a prospective parent, curious to sort of learn the story of Henderson. Can you share a bit of its history and what makes it a great place to learn, particularly for students with disabilities? Yeah, Um, so I'll, I'll go back a little bit way before my time here at the Henderson, but for a while, the, the Henderson wasn't even called the Henderson. It was called the O'Hearn School. And um, around 1989, um, there were a group of parents and a principal um, who thought that the learning model that would be best for students, and specifically students with, with disabilities, would be to learn in a classroom with their non-disabled peers. Um, and This took a lot of community organizing and galvanizing to present the Boston Public School District in the city of of Boston with a proposal that would create an inclusive school, which would mean that every student, regardless of what their disability was, uh, who they were, would be included in a classroom together. And students would learn side by side learning from their teachers and still getting the supports that they needed. And and before that, students who would have disabilities would be pulled out of the classroom. They would be put into resource rooms or what we call substantially separate rooms. And the theory behind the Henderson is that if we take those resources and the special ed teachers who sit in those resource rooms or substantially separate rooms and work with students with disabilities, if we put all that in a classroom, we're not only continuing the service delivery for students with IEPs, but we're also enabling students to socialize together, for students to learn about disabilities, for students to understand what it means to have someone sitting next to them that may be working on something different and that that's okay. And that all students can learn together and be in the same classes and we don't have to be segregated. And Uh, After that was approved and the Henderson became the Henderson Inclusion School, the idea really bloomed right in front of us in Boston. It started out as a small elementary school. And today in 2022, we house students from K-0, so three years old, all the way up through age 22. Students have the opportunity Uh, to participate in a transition program for students who have age-out services per their IEP or individual education plan. So it's a really special community. It's unique. It's a pioneering school in terms of how our 
special education services are delivered, and it's a wonderful place to be. And I would say, and many of our teachers and staff say this, the people who benefit the most from this inclusive model really are the students who don't have disabilities because of all the things that they learn in the classes uh, with all different types of students. Wow, I really feel that from the beginning, this is a school that is going beyond just tolerating difference, but really celebrating and amplifying it. And yep. I think it's such a, a wonderful role model for other schools out there who really want to create this culture of inclusion. And I know part of this culture is that Henderson really leverages co-teaching in every classroom. Um, can you tell us a bit about how this works and, and what it looks like on the day-to-day? Yeah, so right away from K-0 all the way through 12th grade, we go by our co-teaching model. And that's not something that is unique to our school. Many schools do co-teaching, but our co-teaching really is the, the foundation of the inclusive model. So we will have our general ed teachers who will drive the curriculum and drive the standards and we'll have the special education teacher as well. They're not a paraprofessional, they're not a visiting teacher or someone who's just supporting the general ed teacher. They truly are co-teachers. And in order for us to really function as an inclusive school, we need to have the two teachers in the classroom. We need to have them on the same page in terms of what they're planning, what the standards are, how the class is going to go. And that really starts with giving them plenty of time. We start our school year with a uh, learning institute where all of our staff members meet either in an auditorium or somewhere where we can find that has air conditioning because it's still super hot uh, towards the end of August, early September. And we give them a ton of time uh, to plan the first six weeks of instruction, to look at their student roster, for the special ed teacher to take a look at the IEPs and the 504s and think about how can I make sure that this is a truly inclusive classroom and that we are creating materials and doing the proper planning. So when it comes times to facilitate the lesson, you may walk into a classroom and not know who are the students with disabilities and who are the students who don't have disabilities. And that's always our goal. We don't want uh, our classroom to be separated by ability. In fact, that flies in the face of what we're doing. But all of that is predicated on high quality teaching relationships between the co-teachers, communication, and from an administrative standpoint, making sure that we're giving teachers time to prepare for that. And then throughout the school year, we have uh, CPTs or content or uh, content planning teams where our teachers will meet, not just general ed teachers or special ed teachers separate, they meet together and they look at data, they look at curriculum, they talk about their um, lesson planning and how things are going and and individual students and how to adjust how they're delivering different sort of instruction depending on the subject area. And we do that all together. So our, our inclusive model is not just for students, it's also for teachers. And there's plenty of other adults who will come into our classrooms to provide services. We'll have speech and language pathologists, we'll have itinerant services, we'll have one-to-one paraprofessionals, because all of those adults going into the classroom is essential for us to keep this inclusive model. Because typically in other schools, the traditional special education model is those things are done outside of the classroom. 
But we truly believe that this is the best environment for students is that if everything is done in the classroom, that students are learning together at all times or as much as possible. Right. So it sounds to me like Henderson has principles of inclusivity weaved throughout from its formation, its founding, to how the teachers function, to what the classrooms look like. So what I would really love to know is how do you instill and sort of normalize this culture of inclusivity with your students? And maybe you even have a favorite success story of how a student has really demonstrated that they understand the importance of of participating in an inclusive classroom environment. Yeah, we really start young with students in understanding the inclusion model. So there are things that we do in the classroom and in our community to celebrate inclusivity. We like to hire staff members who have disabilities themselves. So students can see themselves in their teachers and in their staff members around the school. Uh, But one of the big things that we do as a school is build in our core values into what we do every single day. And that's respect, responsibility, determination, and of course, inclusion. We have community meetings every month where we give out awards for students who are best exemplifying these core values. But we also spend time with our students talking about those core values and how they show up into our classrooms into how we walk in the hallway, how we eat lunch, how we go to recess. And we're very explicit about what those things mean. And as students get older and learn about their disabilities, we don't want that stuff to be a secret. It's it's not a thing that you hide. It's a thing that you celebrate. So you'll find students who are a little bit older presenting about their disabilities, teaching their peers about Um, what it is to be uh, visually impaired or what it means to be um, part of hearing or or any real disability that students can talk about will have students uh, be open and educate their peers about that. And like I said earlier, our students with without disabilities, I think, benefit even more than our students with disabilities because of the amount of empathy that they have and and their understanding of what it means to be patient, what it means to support someone, to help someone out, to share, to be a leader. I just think that there are so many incredible lessons to be learned here uh, at school. And I could speak to so many incredible individual stories, but what I will say, and what's always striking to me, is that very often during the school day and throughout the school year, We'll have students who could have a lot of challenging behaviors throughout the year. They're struggling following our expectations as adults. And oftentimes we're wondering, well, how are we going to support this kid? What, What else can we put in place? And very often it's those students who are the most inclusive. Some of our students who are maybe getting sent to the principal's office the most are the students who are waiting at lunch to escort a student who's blind up to their classroom or helping carry someone's book who may have a physical disability. That's always the most incredible thing because what you realize is that even for students who are struggling, their ability to understand what inclusion is and not just understand it, but to actually live it and to exemplify it in their actions is truly special. And I always smile and and think about those moments 
where we have students who are really struggling yet maintain those core values, specifically inclusion. And we make sure we celebrate them for that. You know, maybe you're struggling in a class, you're struggling listening to directions, but you did an incredible thing by helping that student go up to their next class or something like that. And those are the stories that I really love because I think it speaks to the power of the inclusive model. And it's a type of socialization and education students wouldn't get anywhere else if they didn't have this inclusive model uh, as part of their educational experience. Sure. That really resonates with me as a mother to a child who is uh, sometimes a little too familiar with the principal's office, but still so incredibly um, concerned and nurturing towards all of his peers, especially those with disabilities. Um, He's also on the spectrum and he just sounds exactly like the type of student that you described. And it really sounds like an asset forward, empowering place to be as a student. Um, And so I really commend you all on these practices that you embody on the day to day. And I'm sure there's so many other people who are going to be listening to this podcast thinking this sounds like such an incredible place to learn. How can I create this culture of inclusion at my school? So what advice would you give to um, those other school leaders out there who may want to implement some of these practices that you've described? Absolutely. So I'm lucky enough to have inherited an already effective inclusive school, but it's not lost on me the amount of time, years, public support it took to get this off the ground because inclusive schools and creating an inclusion model can be very expensive. We have staff who are special educators, general educators, service providers, all of these different adults. And it takes money to do that. And oftentimes districts are a little bit apprehensive, I think, to invest in in a new model, especially if it takes so much uh, of their financial resources. But I would say in, in what I've learned about how the Henderson came to be, it really starts with the community. It starts with galvanizing parents and it starts with a very clear description of why this is so important, why this will be so impactful to shift from what truly is a a segregated school model uh, where students are pulled out for a majority of the day and do not spend time with their peers. That has all different types of ramifications for students and their socialization and their learning. I started off as a special education teacher in a sub-separate classroom and those students who were high school students were severely impacted by years and years and years of being in segregated classes. So I think that it's very important to articulate why you're asking to move to an inclusive model and to start with the parents and the community to really rally around why this is happening. And you can read a lot about uh, how the Henderson came to be. I actually have a, a great book recommendation for anyone who's interested. I was able to take a course with Tom Hare, who's a a pioneer and an incredible advocate for inclusive ed um, when I was in grad school. And he had us read one of his books, which is called Effective Inclusive Schools by Tom Hare and Lauren Katzman. And it really goes into detail about what it takes to create an inclusive school, to run and to ensure that it's successful. And I really found that that is is something um, that I keep coming back to because it is not easy to keep going. There are a lot of challenges. There are a lot of moving pieces. Every student is incredibly different. 
And when we have students who join our community halfway through their K to 12 education, that can be a challenging thing too, because those students probably aren't coming from an inclusive school. Um, so that was a great resource for me. I think that teachers and staff members and principals who run inclusive schools, I think are incredibly helpful um, in, in fostering this growth in other places. But I do think the one common thread that I, I definitely come back to is how important it is to rally a community around why an inclusive model or a shift to an inclusive model would be the right decision to make. So I would absolutely recommend that and, and definitely check out that book by Tom Hare. It's an incredibly inspiring book and also a great utility as a school moves into an inclusive model. We always love a great book recommendation. Um, and so I, I really encourage folks to pick that up. It sounds like it's been so um, informational to, to Henderson's model. So I want to thank you so much for joining us today, Sam. I know that there are so many folks out there who will um, glean a lot from your insights. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I am just incredibly honored to speak on behalf of this incredible pioneering school. Amazing. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners of the Inclusive School Spotlight series. This podcast is brought to you by the Educating All Learners Alliance and the Center for Learner Equity. For more resources and practical approaches that educators can use to enhance opportunities and outcomes for students with disabilities, check out the Educating All Learners Alliance resource library by visiting educatingalllearners.org and clicking the resources tab. To learn more about the work of the Center for Learner Equity, visit centerforlearnerequity.org and feel free to check out the other episodes in this series. Appreciate our listeners. Thank you and see you next time.